I read recently that there are three stages of life, wanting stuff, accumulating stuff, and getting rid of stuff. How many of you are in one of those stages right now, right? Uh, I'm in that last stage. I mean, it's like, wow, where did all this stuff come from? And uh, we need to go through this and reorganize some things. Many of us have more than enough stuff. It's time to stuff our stuff before our stuff stuffs us, right? And uh, we got to get rid of it and uh, get some things streamlined and prepared for this year yet, what God has for us all the way through. I was reminded of a millionaire who became a missionary and died at age 25 recently. Many of you have heard of his name and his testimony. William Borden was born into affluence in Chicago, November 1st, 1887, the third child of William and Mary Borden. He was an heir to the Borden family fortune earned from their famous dairy company, which is still successful today. After his mother converted to Christianity in 1894, she began taking him to Chicago Avenue Church, now the Moody Church. He soon responded to the gospel preaching of Dr. R.A. Torrey, turned to Christ and followed the Lord in believer's baptism. From then on, prayer and Bible study became hallmarks of this young man's life. In 1904, William Borden graduated from Chicago High School. As heir to the Borden family fortune, he was already wealthy. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. As a young man traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, he wrote home about his, quote, desire to be a missionary. While at Yale University, he stated or started prayer groups and Bible studies to ultimately involve almost 90% of the university's enrollment. He worked with orphans, the disabled, widows, the homeless, to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Upon graduation from Yale, he turned down some high-profile paying jobs. He went on to do graduate work at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China because he was hoping to work with Muslims there. And he stopped in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. Although he was a young millionaire, he seemed to, quote, realize always that he must be about his father's business and not waste time in pursuing earthly matters. Found after his death, written in his Bible, were these phrases. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. I wonder if you see your life in view of eternity. For if you do, or if you will, that will change what you give your life, your time, yourself to in this new year. I think about it. We're going to stand before the Lord one day.
And we're either going to say, in essence, to ourselves, I wish I had, or I'm glad I did. Even if you live a long life on this earth, in light of eternity, it's but a vapor, but a moment in time that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me as we stand together to the book of Psalms. Psalm 90, we're going to find this prayer of Moses, the man of God. A somber psalm. The people had the opportunity to go into the land of promise, but they hesitated. They balked. They looked at their insufficiency, their inability instead of God's ability. In making it about themselves, they missed what God had for them. Their days were even cut short. No one 20 years old and older would live to go into the land of promise. Think about what was forfeited in that day, in that moment. And the lesson that was learned from that, wow, a life lived must be lived for God or it will ultimately, whatever time is here, be squandered in aimless wandering, going to and fro, trying to find some kind of solace, purpose, meaning, or comfort. Let's read this together, Psalm 90. As we look at this, I'm amazed at this passage of Scripture and all the many lessons that are learned here. And uh, I've read it many times, perhaps you have as well. Psalm 90 and verse 12, let's read it aloud together. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Read it again with me. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Thank you. you may be seated. I want you to think about this because nothing is real until it's personal. I want you to think about this year, 2024, as my 2024, my year, the year that God has given me. Here I am, alive in some measure well. What am I going to do with what God has given me? I've got friends that are going home to be with the Lord. Their race is run. Their works are following them. Many for good, some that I know for not so good. But I think about the days that I have. Sometimes we talk about life in years. Well, I am 61 years old. Well, we think of years, but God really speaks of life and defines it more readily in days. How many days has God given us? What are we going to do with those days? Because the days of our lives is really what God has given us. It's not just years, not just a, a long time, but one day, one step at a time. We're going to live it for God or not. That's how God defines your life and mine, by days. And so you live one day at a time. You take one step at a time. The Christian life is not about perfection, it's about direction. 
Are you headed in the right direction? Where are you going for God or not? Will you turn around if you're walking away from God today and take a step, one step, one step in the right direction? One step, one day at a time, I'm going to do what's right and what's in front of me. I'm not going to fear nor fret tomorrow. I'm not going to carry any regret of the past. I'm giving that to God. My life is in His hands, and God is designed that I walk in His conscious presence, and I'm going to enjoy the moment. Yes, I'll pray. Yes, I'll plan. But yet, I will thrive with peace and joy and strength and confidence within my heart that God is with me. This is the time that God has blessed me with. This is the time that God has entrusted to me. As I think about this, taking one step, one day at a time, I want you to write these things down briefly, and then we're going to get into this other. Take one step, one day at a time, number one, because God is not bound by time and space, but we are. If you'll study verses 1 through 8, verse 1 and 2 in particular, you'll find the eternality of God. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. He's not bound by time and space. He is God. He is above all of this. But we are bound by time and space. Our life is defined within the confines of each day we live and what we do with these days. As we think about it, one writer said, We number our years, but it is wiser to number our days, for we live one day at a time. Life is brief, like the changing of the guard in verse 3, or taking a nap, or mowing the lawn. Think about all the things that they're here for just a moment, and then they're soon cut off. The changing of the guard, think about that in verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return ye children of men. They're here and they live and they flourish for just a time and God calls them back. Think about that. From the temporal into the realm of the eternal. God is not bound by time and space, but you and I are. And so we have to learn how to operate within this realm to make the most of it because what we do in time impacts eternity. What a great, powerful truth. What an opportunity that God has given. You and me, we can impact time and eternity by what we do with the time God has given us in the space that we occupy. I'm not someone else, somewhere else, doing something else. I'm who I am, where I am, doing what God has given me to do. Some of us need to quit daydreaming and think, well, if I lived in this time or if I was this person, if I was raised this way, if I had this opportunity, if I had that job, if I had that spouse, if I had those parents, there's a God in heaven who's giving you this great gift of life. Don't miss it. You say, but my circumstance, that's not altogether what I want. Don't miss it. The gift you've been given is life. And he's giving you the ability to choose. You can choose to believe him and walk in his light, get his mind in your mind and have a heart for him. That's really the thought when thou art converted 
As I preached last week, uh, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you. And uh, I pray for you that when you are converted, see, Peter was following his own mind. The old men forsake you. I'll never forsake you. I'll tell you what, they're not going to do anything for you, Lord. I'll defend you. You're not going to die. And what did the Lord say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things that be of God. You don't have the mind of God. You're leaning to your own understanding. This is the way you see it, or this is the way you would call it, or you would do it. But it's not about what you see or what you think. It's about what I see. I am God, and you are not. You are limited in what you see. You don't see it as fully as I do. Trust me. I see it for what it really is. So when you're converted, when you get the mind of God in the matter, when you see it from God's perspective, when you see it like God sees it, then that's when I can use you to strengthen your brethren. What a great truth that is. So many of God's people today are leaning to their own understanding. That's what I think. This is the way I see it. This is what I would choose. The Bible says, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He shall direct thy path. Lord, give me your mind in the matter. Help me to see it. And we get the mind of God through the word of God. That's why you should immerse yourself in God's word. Study God's word. His ways are not our ways. But his ways are higher than our ways, right? So if his ways are not our ways, we better get in his word to find what his ways are. Because instinctively, man left to himself, me left to myself, will choose always exactly opposite of what God would choose. That's what the book of Judges illustrates to us. That's what we do. Instinctively, well, this is the way I see it. And this is the way I call it. This is the way I'm going to do it. If you follow you, you're going to lead yourself into a ditch. But if you follow the Lord, then you can find the fullness of His will and His blessing for your life. May God in heaven speak to us. Oh, we're all going to be called back to God, as it were, our maker. We're all going to be called away from this world. We think about what God is saying. Hold your place here. Just look back to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a great parallel passage that reminds us in these words. This is what God knows to be true about you and me. Psalm 78, verse 39. For he remembereth that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Would you underline that? A wind comes and it goes and then it's gone. But what really speaks to me is it cometh not again. This is it. This is your life. You're not someone else, somewhere else. This is who you are. This is where you are. These are the circumstances that you're facing. Do not focus on that as though you can just walk away from that and in some kind of mental fault that you live in some realm that is not real, that is like, well, I've just always think about how different my life and how better and how good my life would be in all these things if I could go here and do this and do that. Listen, you got to get out of that. 
You have one life, one opportunity. You're not going to live again in this world. This is it. You come not again. Who you are, where you are, given to God. God is not limited. God can bring so much good out of who you are and where you are and where you've been and even what you've done. This is the great God of heaven. He is not bound by time and space. He is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. But we are not. We are bound by time and space. No wonder we better make our time count. Take one step, one day at a time. Number one, because God is not bound by time and space, but we are. Number two, because our days are numbered. As you get into the text here, God sees everything, even our secret sins in verse 8. Verse 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. It's a story that's ever unfolding. It has a beginning, but as sure as it has a beginning, the story of your life and mine has an ending. Our days are numbered. Well, the Bible says the days of our years, there it is, underline that phrase, the days of our years. Not just how old are you in years, but what are you doing with the days of your years? The three score years and 10, that's 70. A score would be 20 times 3, 60 plus 10, 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score, 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. There it is again, soon cut off. Even if you live a long life on this earth in the light of eternity, it's soon cut off, and then we fly away. We go into eternity. The real us, ever-living, never-dying souls will live in eternity somewhere, either heaven or hell. And the Bible says, notice this in verse 12, so teach us to number our days, my days, my life, the year that God has given me, my 2024, so that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The word number here, think about it. It says, so teach us to number our days. That means to weigh out, to a lot, to a point, to prepare. The thought here is living intentionally. Apply ourselves. Make the most of our time. Have good priorities. Have a healthy margin in our lives. See, when I would hear something like this, and, and I've thought about it through the years, I would always think, I just got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you've got to do what is important. And oftentimes when you do what is important, lesser things, they may be important, but they're not as important. You see, lesser things pale in comparison of the most important things in your life. What is your priority? What are you giving yourself to? Your time, your energy, are your days counting for God and His glory? Number three, take one step one day at a time because God has a work for us to do. Now we're going to apply, do point two here in just a moment, but notice this, number three, God has a work for us to do. We're here, not without purpose, but God has a plan for us. Verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, 
and the years wherein we have seen evil. Now, this is amazing. God can take the years of grief and sorrow and in measure bring good out of that sorrow and that grief that would cause those years to fade in the rearview mirror of your past. That's behind me. Praise God. That's gone. That doesn't have any power, any hold over me. I am in the hold of heaven. God has power and authority over my life. God can bring good yet. You're in a time of despair. I think about a pastor years ago who went through some troubles in a church he was pastor, and he thought, well, if God was blessing us, then everything would be coming together. And so I guess it must mean that God's through with me here. So he left. And years passed, and he said, I learned that it wasn't that God wanted me just to kind of move here or there when troubles came. He wanted me to move closer to him when troubles came and then give me wisdom in how to navigate that. He was going to use those troubles to make me stronger. And I missed that as a younger pastor. God has a work for you and me. And oh, we think about what the Bible says here, how God can bring good out of bad. Let thy work appear, verse 16, unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty, the word beauty is the word favor. Let thy beauty, the favor, the glory of God, the smile of God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands, your hands and mine. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. God, use us, who we are, where we are, doing what you've given us to do. Oh, God, help us. Smile upon us. There's a work God's giving you and me to do. I want to do it, don't you? With all of my heart. If not, again, so many people aimlessly wondering. If you're not careful, you're going to take one little step away from the Lord. You're not too far away from God. Hey, God, see you around. Then another step, then another step. The time will come when you'll be so numb spiritually, you won't even know where the Lord is in your life. You won't even acknowledge Him anymore. It wasn't all at once, but little by little, you didn't walk in the light He gave you. And light rejected is light lost. And then you miss it. Bobby Robertson said years ago, one of his greatest fears in life, if not his greatest fear, was getting out of God's will for his life. That was his greatest fear. We've lost that, it seems like, in this day. We just think we just do what we want to do. Just whatever. Whatever I think, whatever I see. Where's God? Where's the mind of God? Where is prayer? Where is seeking God? See, we miss that. As though it's, it doesn't matter. Let me ask you. Do you believe God has a plan for your life? Do you believe that? You don't have to raise your hand, but do you believe that? Do you believe that God has something mapped out for you? To, do you believe that? Now, if you don't believe that, that's between you and the Lord. 
And I'm not saying that we don't err or stumble or learn from our mistakes and God doesn't bring good out of bad and God doesn't teach us and God doesn't even use sometimes our missteps to bring uh, opportunities. Otherwise, God is able. See, he's sovereign over all things. Isn't that wonderful? But there's a point here to where it's just like Kadesh Barnea, some opportunities that God gives, though God is merciful and God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten, there is a point to where if we're not careful, certain opportunities could be just forsaken. And it's like, wow, I left the Lord. Let thy work appear in my life, Lord. What do you want with my life? What do you have for me? That's what's kept me in this pulpit all these years. I've had other churches contact me. I've had other people talk to me about ministry opportunities. I've had all kinds of things through the years. But I would always put it before the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to follow you and I want your will. What do you want for my life? And God says, I called you to shining light. I want you to stay. Where I called you. I said, okay. And I just kept going. I'll never forget back in 1995, a large nationally known church contacted me. Now hear me, I want you to listen to this. At the time, they had a well-established Christian school with a football team, a marching band, they had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank getting ready to build a new auditorium. They had a huge gymatorium. They had national influence. They were very well-known ministry. They said, would you pray about coming? I said, I don't believe God wants me anywhere other than where he's called me. I'll just commit that to God in prayer. They called me back a couple weeks later and says, what do you think? I said, I believe God has me where I'm at. And boy, did the devil beat me up. 95. God didn't lead us to start the school till 2000. 99 is when he clarified it in my heart and prayer. I was the only one who ever came to this campus every day. No secretary. Nobody here but me. And I said, but Lord, you put more than this in my heart. Just lead me. And it's like, God tried to give you all that, but you foolishly said, no. Why would you do something? I'm telling you, the devil beat me up. Look what your children could have had. Look at the school they could have been in. You missed it, man. Are you listening to me? I could tell you the stories that unfolded, but here is the reality of it. That church does not exist today. It doesn't even exist. I'm telling you, it was a nationally known ministry. It doesn't even exist. And God taught me this lesson. You don't determine the will of God for your life by, okay, two opportunities here. 
which one looks best for me right here, right now? Oh, this, one, this must be God's will. That's not the way you determine God's will. You determine God's will through prayer and through His Word. God, what do you have? Because I can tell you this, by the grace of God, I'm glad that I stayed where God called me. Are you listening? People wander aimlessly through life if they're not careful, looking for something to fulfill them, to affirm them, to something that they feel like is worthy of them. God have mercy on us. Well, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. That's what happened at Kadesh Barnea. He brought, you, brought us out here in the wilderness to die. We've got to go fight these giants. Would the God would stay in Egypt? We don't want all this. Why would we have to do this? See, we're too comfortable today if we're not careful. And we resist the challenges of God. But I'll tell you what, on the other side of every cross that God calls us to bear in faith, there's a crown. There's an opportunity that will open up far beyond what we could have ever opened up for ourselves. Oh, it's so important. Lord, let thy work appear. Show me what you want to do in my life. Help me not to be short-sighted. And Lord, help me not to make decisions based on what I think is in my best interest. But Lord, what is thy will and what brings you glory? Because I can tell you this in that regard. At that time, that opportunity would have been appeared to be in my and my family's best interest. But now it doesn't look that way, right? This was in our best interest. But I couldn't see it then because it, wouldn't, it wasn't realized then. Are you listening? Oh, this is why we need to learn to pray and walk with God and meditate upon His Word. Lord, I want your mind in my life. Look just very briefly, and I, I know it's, I've gone on a little bit, but I want you just to do this. You won't have to finish it here, but take a moment. I've given you the words that God has given me, my word that God spoke to me. I thought, Lord, I want to be right with you thoroughly and with everyone in my life. My word for this year, my personal theme word is integrity. My verse is Job 27, 5, till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me. My spiritual goal is to give myself to daily prayer and ministry of the word to narrow everything down to that in, in every practical way to be a witness for the Lord. I had the opportunity to witness to several people this week and give them the gospel, and I thank God for that. My motto is do what's right, and you'll get what's right. It'll come your way. Just do what's right. Bible prayer that God has led me to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I want you to take something like that and ask God in prayer. You may want to start writing some things down now, but we're a little pressed because we're going to sing this song because God's given me a song. And we're going to sing it in closing, all right? And I want you to think about a song. What would be your theme song, your family perhaps theme song for this year? What is God speaking to you about? Lord, I want to follow you. I want to have your mind. I, I've, someone has told me their word is joy. Uh, you know, it's like I'm just going to try to walk in the joy of the Lord this year. I've had others just give me different thoughts and things that they're praying for. One word is discipline. I want to make sure that my life is structured in a way that honors the Lord and makes the most of my opportunity. What is your word? 
What is the area of your life that you need God to help you with or strengthen you in? God will bless that. I want Rebecca to come because I've got the words of this song that I want you to help me to sing as we close this morning. How many of you have heard this song before, Jesus, Use Me? All right, several. More of you need to hear it, all right? So I don't want you to stand necessarily. I want you just to sit and I want you to think about this more as a prayer from your heart is unto the Lord because it is a prayer in song, Jesus, Use Me. And uh, I want you to sing along with me. As I mentioned, we'll have the words up here. And uh, we've got it just following here, the first verse chorus, and then a couple more verses in the chorus, and then we close. But it goes like this. Dear Lord, I'll be a witness. Let's drop it down. All right. I'll tell you, can I start and you follow me? All right, let's do that. Because the range that I have is best for me, all right? Now, let's just say it that way. I don't have that range. Here's my range. Follow along with me. Dear Lord, I'll be a witness if you will help my weakness. I know that I'm not worthy, Lord, of thee. Come on now. You ready? You ready? That's low. That's a much lower. It goes like this. By eyes of faith I see thee upon the cross of Calvary. Dear Lord, I cry, let me thy servant be. Jesus, use me, and O oh Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. Now it's good acapella, all right? And so let's sing that next verse. I want you to think of these words. I want you to really consider this from your heart because it parallels even with the life and testimony of William Borden. This next verse goes like this. I'll stand for thee, dear Jesus. Though death may come my way, I'll spread the gospel to the fallen here. But if it be thy will, Lord, to go across the sea, Lord, help me to be willing to say yes. And the next verse. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the beautiful rose of Sharon. He's all the world to me. But best of all, He is my coming King. Sing that chorus. Lift your voice. Jesus, use me. And, O oh Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. And even 
even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. As she plays that back through, let's just bow our heads. I want you to talk to the Lord right where you are. God, help me through prayer, through your word, determine what you want for my life. Help me to walk in that light and do it with faith and courage. Help me to follow you all the way through. Lord, if you would just use me somehow. I'm not aspiring to be anyone or anything other than what you want me to be, Lord. I want it to be about you and your glory, your will in my life. Just talk to the Lord right where you are. Show me what you'd have me to do, Lord, and I'll do it. One step, one day at a time. This is the year you've given me, and I give myself and this year back to you in faith.